0: You are listening to the DFJ Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu.
1: How many of you have heard of Baidu before? Okay, so I don't need to tell you that it's like the third most popular search engine in the whole world. Uh, It's got over 70% uh, market share. It was started uh, almost 10 years ago by Robin and his co-founder, uh, and it's extraordinary that we have a chance to have him here. Um, prior to that, he was a, kind of a search engine guru in the uh, 90s by working at InfoSeek and others, and I don't know how we missed him, but he didn't go to Stanford. I wish he had. <laughs> I wish he had, but he, he uh, got his first degree at Peking University, and then he got a Master's of Science uh, in Computer Science at the State University of New York Uh, in Buffalo in 1994. He's a co-founder, as you know, the chairman, the CEO, the grand, grand master of Baudu. So let's welcome him to Stanford.
0: Thank you, Professor Myers, for your introduction. I'm really glad I I finally made it here. Uh, I've always wanted to a class here at Stafford because uh, I, I always wanted to lure uh, the top talents from the world's uh, most, uh, the finest school. So uh, finally I'm here. Thank you for, uh, for your interest. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, opportunities in China at the age of innovation. Uh, I picked this topic because I think this is a, a, a very important uh, topic for, for many of you. Uh, to to know. Uh, Right now, I think we are still uh, in the recession period, although I've heard uh, words that the recession is uh, officially uh, finished, but uh, uh, I feel a little bit different. Last time I was in this country was uh, May of 2008. Uh, I I still feel that today the economic situation is um, not better but worse than uh, what was... uh, uh, like in May of 2008. I can tell from uh, the the newspapers I read in my hotel room, uh, now the newspapers are are, are thinner than than before, I think. Uh, (laughs) Companies uh, still have uh, less money to to advertise. Uh, Why why do I bring up this topic? Because I think everyone is probably thinking of, of what should we do? How do we deal with the recession? Or how do we deal with the difficult times. I, I think I have something to offer to you. Uh, if you look at this, uh, this chart, I guess many of you uh, follow the NASDAQ. Um, this is a chart from uh, about 99 to, to 2003. Uh, you know, Baidu was uh, uh, founded uh, at the beginning of 2000. And quickly, NASDAQ reached its, uh, its high, historical high of 5,000. Uh, I remember it was March of 2000. Then it dropped to about uh, 1100. Uh, a little over a year later. That is a uh, that is a very difficult time for people in the internet industry. I think it's much uh, severe than what you uh, have experienced in the past year or two uh, for the general economic situation. Uh, during that time. Uh, it's just the, the very early days of Baidu's, uh, Baidu's startup experience. That's why uh, when uh, we officially entered the, the recession or, or uh, the, the uh, challenging situation caused by the financial crisis, uh, I, I keep asking myself, what should we do? What I learned during the, the last downturn, especially um, in the... Uh, in the uh, early 2000, that, uh, when, when the internet bubble bursted. I guess uh, uh, some of you still remember, it's, it's quite an experience for, uh, for many of the companies and uh, many uh, of the, the people who, who work for those internet companies. Uh, we were lucky to raise the first round of money before the internet bubble bursted. But uh, the, 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 the challenge is that we really didn't have a business model at that time. Um, didn't have a, a, a uh, feasible business model, let's put it this way. Because when we started, the, the business model is to provide the back end technology, search technology, to the portal companies in China. Uh, we did that. We, we, uh, we came up with a very good uh, Chinese search engine technology, and we signed up a lot of the, the Chinese portals in a very short period of time. That includes Sina, Sohu, NetEase, Yahoo China. And uh, any portal company, major portal company you can think of in China. But uh, what we quickly found was that uh, we were still losing money. Although we probably signed up uh, the the portal companies that represent more than 80% of the Chinese search traffic, uh, Baidu still could not survive. Uh, That's the challenge we faced. So quickly I realized that we were too optimistic about the, the future of, uh, of internet in China. At that time, there were uh, only about 10 million internet users. And uh, the, the portal companies didn't want to buy the best search technology. They only want to buy the, the, the cheapest technology. That made uh, our life uh, very hard. Uh, so we realized that, uh, and I made the decision, we need to change. We need to change Uh, to a different business model so that we can come up with better technology and the better search technology can be appreciated by by the market. So in the summer of 2001, we decided to uh, switch gear uh, from a back-end technology provider to a front-end consumer-oriented search service. And on September 20th, 2001, uh, Baidu.com went live. So it's been more than uh, nine years, or eight years. Uh, that, from that day on, I think, we, we really uh, found what was right uh, for this company. Then we really focused on uh, developing the best Chinese search technology and dominate the, the market. For, for the, uh, the next eight years, this company have almost exclusively focused on Chinese search and came out with quite a number of uh, innovative ideas related to uh, search services, uh, such as Postbar, such as uh, related search, such as box computing, uh, Aladdin project, etc. Um, in fact, uh, in the year of 2002, uh, shortly after we, we launched Baidu.com, I uh, Although I I had the title of president and CEO, I basically went back to the engineering group and functioned as a project manager for about 10 months to make sure that we had the best technology uh, in in Chinese search. And after that, uh, traffic took off. uh, Our brand got uh, uh, very widely accepted uh, in in 2003. In 2004, uh, we reached our last round of, VC money, led by Draper Fisher-Jervenston, uh, the sponsor of this class, and Google, one of our great colleagues. Uh, <laughs> then a year later, you know, 2005, uh, the company went public. Uh, the IPO price was 27, and uh, it closed on the first day at 122. <laughs> it, it was great results for many of the, the, the Baidu employees and for all of the Baidu investors it was a a, a very miserable thing for me because uh, when I decided to take the company public, I was only prepared to deliver financial results that that matched the price of 27 or maybe a little higher, 30, 40, but I was really shocked to see that the, the price went to 122 on the first day. So that means I need to deliver real result that matches an expectation much, much higher than uh, what I had prepared to do. But in any case, I thought I, I, I had no choice, so I put my head down and focused on operation, focused on technology, focused on user experience, and uh, I, I delivered. At the time of the IPO, Baidu had about uh, 40% of the uh, traffic share in China uh, for Chinese search, uh, four years later, as of today, I think we have about 76% of the, uh, the uh, Chinese search traffic. In fact, I think Baidu answers more uh, queries in China today than Google does in the U.S. because, uh, you know, China is the largest uh, Internet economy by, uh, by population. Uh, at the end of last June, we had 336 million Internet users. That's larger than the total U.S. population. And uh, (laughs) so U.S. will never be able to catch up. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we have a very dominant uh, uh, traffic share over there. So uh, it's really a very good spot to be in. So in retrospect, um, I think the way to deal with crisis, deal with challenge, deal with difficult time is... uh, It's like this, first you need to be realistic. You you need to take a a, a pragmatic approach because in the beginning we saw the portal companies will feed us, they will pay us enough amount of money, but that's not the reality. When the difficult time comes, they will try to survive by themselves. They will try to control costs. You have to be on your own. And then we figured that what we're really good at was Chinese search, we, we decided to come up with a better uh, search service, better product, better uh, user experience. We, we started to innovate, come up with, with uh, all kinds of features that attract the Chinese um, internet users. So the, the second step is you really need to innovating and evolving. When I talk about uh, I give up the, the CEO job and uh, function as a the. As project manager, we actually named that project as Project Blitzen. We we wanted to quickly catch up and surpass everyone in terms of uh, uh, search quality uh, for for Chinese users. Once you uh, find out what you should do, then you need to stay focused. That's what we did during the difficult times uh, back in uh, year 2000, 2001, 2002. not many people think search was a down deal. It's it's uh, boring. Uh, uh, everyone has figured that out in terms of technology and product. But the, we thought we could do a better job. Uh, we we resisted all kinds of um, temptations from uh, being a portal, uh, being an SM, uh, S player. Uh, 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 do online uh, game, uh, develop, developing all kinds of things that could make money in the short term. We really, really focused uh, on Chinese search. That's why we, we got how we got there. So during this this very recent financial crisis, I, I immediately recall that uh, what we uh, uh, did during the internet uh, bubble time and uh, after bubble, what, what we... Uh, uh, how we solve the problem and how we uh, survived and thrived. Uh, so we actually used a similar approach uh, during the, the last couple of years. We, we really focused on what we are good at. Uh, we we try to innovate, come up with better uh, technology, better user experience, and uh, um, better execution uh, on things that, that we are good at. Therefore, a couple of quarters of bad time went by, and uh, Baidu started to re-accelerate, and we were able to deliver good financial results uh, to our investors. So let me give you a little more color on the innovation we we did uh, in in the Chinese search space. Uh, This is a very popular product called Postbar. Uh, If you're Chinese, or if you uh, read Chinese, you can try this. Uh, It's essentially a query-based community, or uh, in today's term, it, it's social search. If you think uh, about this, uh, a good analogy is Twitter. On Twitter, you follow people, right? And on Postbar, you follow topics. Anyone who type in a query will be brought to a dedicated message board that you can, uh, uh, you can publish any message, you can ask questions, you can answer other people's questions, and, uh, uh, so on and so forth. So it's being very popular. It was launched in December of 2003. Uh, it's been quite a, a long time, and uh, now it represents more than 10% of Baidu's total traffic. Uh, here I showed an example when you type in Stanford, which is a, a rare query in China uh, in, in its English form, but you, you will see that there's a dedicated community about this. People talk about Stanford there on Baidu. We have a similar product, or a product with a social flavor, called Baidu Knows. Uh, it's a question answering service. Any Baidu user can post a question on that platform, and because we reach more than 300 million users, someone knows the answer of your question, and the question can quickly be, uh, be answered, or the problem can quickly be solved and we also have a product called Baidu Encyclopedia. It's right now the largest uh, online Chinese encyclopedia. Uh, About a year ago, we started a project called Aladdin. It's really a technology initiative that's aimed to index the the dark web or the hidden web, because according to computer scientists, right uh, right now the the conventional search engines only index about 1% of the uh, the information on the internet. The, the rest 99 is uh, so-called the, the dark web. They are not easily accessible by following the links. We came up with this idea uh, that uh, we, we open up the interface so that people who owns the data, who owns the, the content, can submit it to us and we will integrate into our uh, search results. For example, um, um, you know, Facebook, but in, in China there are a number of Facebook-like services, some of them are very popular. One of them is called Xiaonei. It's really started uh, with, with the college students uh, with real identity. We had a, 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 a partnership with them. with them. They submit their data uh, about their people, their users to us, uh, so, uh, so Baidu U- users can easily find information related to that. Those kind of inf- information are not easily accessible by following links or using the traditional Uh, a search engine technology. There are lots of, lots of uh, uh, applications or or data sources uh, that's being integrated into this platform, so Baidu will be able to find more and more information than anyone else. Going forward, we think uh, the search box will become something different. We call it box computing. It's, uh, it's our vision for the future of, of computing. Why? This is a search box that every Chinese is familiar with, but uh, when you look at people's needs, people are, are typing all kinds of queries in, in this box. Uh, for example, <laughs> <laughs> a great M history, where can I find a girlfriend in Beijing? How do I fix my hacked PC? What time is it? What kind of college is good? It's a good match for a frail, introverted guy like myself. <laughs> so you can tell that people have very high expectations about Baidu or about a search engine. They, they type in all kinds of things, all kinds of needs. We, originally, we, we thought it's information needs only. We just need to find uh, a web page that contains the query word, but it's actually not. Average consumers have very, very high expectations about us or about a a search engine. Then I look at all the other non search applications on the internet. You know, a Yahoo Finance page, you see a a, a search box or a box uh, on a very prominent position. Facebook, there are boxes. Twitter, a a search box in, in the most prominent position. And Amazon, it, it, it's everything is about search, but uh, every search box is kind of different the The function is different. Uh, you know for Amazon, you are in a shopping mode, uh, and for twitter there are, there's a box that you can type in one, up to one hundred forty uh, characters to publish your your status. There are all kinds of different uh boxes or or the purpose for those boxes are different. Then I start to think. Is there any way that we can save the consumer's effort and integrate everything, every function, every application, every information needs, every user's wishes into one box? Uh, this is also the, 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 the classification of uh, users' needs in our search box. It could be information-oriented, it could be a dialogue, it could be you know, some kind of uh, tools request function or, or dictionary or, or computing request. If we, we integrate all this kind of requests, all this kind of um, consumer needs into one box, that should be a magic box. That, that is called box computing. So when a request is entered into this box, we do all kinds of semantic analysis, behavioral analysis, intelligent interaction with the user, then massive computing, and figure out what the user really want. Once that's clear, we will send it to the necessary application, be it a search engine, or antivirus software, or, or a stock search, or, or shopping, or a finder, fighter, anything that, that can be plugged into this kind of platform. So now we have implemented a number of the applications. Uh, if you ask what is today's lunar date, we will come up with a calendar with these lunar dates. Uh, if you're looking for a, 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 a piece of software, Baidu Hi, it's a an, it's an, it's an messenger software we delivered. We will show that to you. Uh, if you are looking for a beautiful girl, this is the one that, well, not only show you the pictures, but it's got a flash application that you can, uh, you can browse through, and, and well, it also automatically rotate. Between schedule, you will be prompted by, by the, the, the newer boxes from uh, where to where. We understand this kind of uh, user intent then there's a lot of computation going on to figure out what's the right answer. Uh, we we've, we've had a lot of submissions from the third-party application. This is a, a, a movie showing a schedule from a, a third-party. This is the stock quotes. This is an antivirus software. It doesn't need to show you the search result. It just asks you, do you want to run the antivirus software? So when you, when you group all kinds of information into one box, you can find that box computing efficiently connects enormous user requests with the application providers. So in the future, when you power on a terminal, a laptop, a, a PC, a netbook, or a, a, a cell phone, immediately, instantly, you see a box. You don't wait two minutes for Windows to boot up. You, you don't need to launch a browser and type in a, a URL address. You will only see this and immediately see this. Whatever you want to do, check your email, publish tweets, or shopping, or whatever, it can be solved by this one box. So everyone of you know, it takes time to learn how to use Windows. It takes time to learn how to use Mac. But uh, nobody needs to teach you how to use the search. It's. It's so easy, it's so instant. That's why I think the future should be like this. Now, finally, a few words about China. I think there are currently lots of opportunities in China. It's a large, growing uh, market. So I think uh, the, econ- uh, ec- uh, the, 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 the economics uh, already predict that the, the Chinese economy will grow at 8% or, or better Um, for this year, which is probably the most challenging year uh, in in the recent history uh, for the world economy. And we have, like I mentioned, a lot of uh, internet users, 338 million um, by last June. Uh, There are about double that amount of uh, mobile phone users in China and still growing uh, very, very quickly. Because of the growing demand and and, and booming tech industry founded by Silicon Valley VCs, there are lots of things you can can do in in terms of technology. And our engineers in in Silicon Valley almost all have a dream to use the technology uh, to change the world. I think China would be a very good uh, uh, test bed for that. Another very uh, unique thing for China is that uh, for this chart at the bottom, you can tell that there are more than uh, 700,000 engineering graduates each year. Engineering meaning uh, computer science related engineering. So the, the talent pool there is huge. But uh, many of them are not so experienced. When I started this company back almost uh, nine, ten years ago, uh, I, I started to recruit uh, talents, recruit engineers, and uh, I wrote in the job description that requires five plus years of uh, related experience. Then I found that I I couldn't find anyone in China because nobody uh, at that time really focused on technology. Multinational companies usually hire engineering students to do pre-sales, to do technical support. There's little research, little development, little innovation at that time. So we were... uh, (laughs) Forced to train the, the, the students, to train the engineers to become more experienced in uh, in developing innovative uh, products. But uh, that's where the opportunities are. You know, if you are experienced, if you have seen better ways of managing engineering team, this is a, a very good uh, uh, space you you can be in. You can you can really manage a lot of people. There are a lot of people that can do work and if you have a more efficient way to manage a large crowd of engineers, you can be very competitive in the technology world. Well, this is the real purpose, I'm here. (laughs) I do welcome talents like you. (laughs) So what kind of people we like? We like people who fit in our culture. And we like people who is competent, who can do the job that we require them to do. And more importantly, we like people who have the desire and ability to learn quickly. Because this is a fast-changing market, it's a fast-changing industry, it's a very exciting. But uh, if you think you know everything you don't need to learn, You're not, you don't belong to us. I always need to learn, everyone from our company need to, ready, to be ready to learn new things almost on a a daily basis. So that's very important. What's our culture? It's simple and reliable. Simple means there's no politics, there's no no ladder, no no difference between CEO and and an average engineer uh, on the surface. Uh, (laughs) 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 And reliable means uh, everyone uh, is competent, they can deliver uh, the, the, the job is that, that's assigned to him or her. Uh, they, 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 they are very smart. They are intelligent. They can be counted. So that's the culture of Baidu. This is one of the most frequently asked questions. What's your advice to entrepreneurs, to, to the young people? I will say, find what you like and find you what you're really good at. Once you find it, you do it and stick with it. You are be very likely to be successful. Thank you all.
1: Thank you, Robin. Um, I'm uh, Steve Blank, and uh, I'm teaching MS&E 278. How many 278 students are uh, here? Raise your hand. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, 278 is the uh, class that surrounds uh, 472 this year, it's a three credit course. Uh, We analyze each one of the company, ETL speakers' companies. We look at their business model, which today could be summarized as world domination through box computing, I believe, (laughs) and and then try to understand through some questions, both here and in the class, is how did they get here? Um, And I think for an entrepreneur, that's um, uh, some of the most interesting questions is you typically see the speakers as they are. But what's really interesting is the journey that got them here. So we've asked our class, um, and in fact, uh, for those of you in the audience, you should know that the 278 students get the first three questions of every ETL uh, (laughs) lecture, and I'm going to ask Robin uh, the first three, which is the uh, best of uh, my students' questions. So, Robin, question one is think back to the first few years of Baidu what were the three strategy decisions, or, or pick any number, that you now recognize in hindsight were both pivot points or inflection points that um, really changed the trajectory of the company?
0: Uh, sure, that's a very uh, good question. It's very critical for any startup, I think. Uh, when I reflect on the first couple of years uh, of Baidu's operation, uh, I think uh, there are three things that that's, uh, uh, that's very critical. First is, uh, as you know, we started at the height of internet bubble. When we uh, uh, brought 1.2 million US dollars back to China, it was like peanuts compared to a lot of other uh, internet startups uh, in China. And uh, our engineers constantly hear from uh, uh, other uh, friends working for other internet companies in Beijing. They live in the, the most flashiest uh, uh, office uh spaces in Beijing and uh, their salary is raised uh, three times a year. But our engineers uh, work in a, a three-star hotel, uh, uh, not very flashy, not, not uh, on the spotlight, and uh, I only promised them to raise their salaries uh, twice a year. <laughs> so they, they, they thought, uh, oh why, if, if the company is so great, if we have such a bright future, why you don't do a better job uh, for your employees as, uh, than, than the other internet companies. It was a, a tough call for me. I, I really thought as, a, as an entrepreneur, as, as a startup, you don't really need, you, you, you really cannot spend money like hell and without thinking about tomorrow. So uh, uh, the, the first critical decision I made is that when I raised the money, 1.2 million, uh, I told uh, our investors that money would last for about six months. But when I actually started to spend the money, I told my people, we need to spend this over the next 12 months. We cannot just run off of, out of money uh, six months later. What happened was, six months later, internet bubble bursted. It was much, much harder to raise money. But uh, I, I was not worried because I still have more than half of the, the cash in, in my bank account. So I started to talk to, to the uh, VCs and, and asking for $10 million at a very, very difficult time during Internet history. Uh, many of the VCs passed on that opportunity. They thought we were too expensive. We only had uh, about 20 people at that time. Uh, so if you divide by, by $10 million, that's that's a lot of uh, uh, money for, for each employee, especially some, many of them uh, haven't really graduated from college. Uh, it, it, it's quite, really, an uh, achievement uh, for them. So I think the, uh, the first critical decision, decision I made is don't spend money as you promised to, to your investors. <laughs> the second critical decision is uh, uh, during the summer of 2001, the um, internet uh, industry was in a very difficult time at that, uh, uh, that period, and we gradually realized that uh, uh, this company cannot really survive if we stick with the back-end technology provider thing. So uh, I made the decision to switch gear uh, and become a consumer-oriented uh, search site. Uh, the risk for that is you basically um, Compete. start to compete with every single one of your customers. They pay you money. We, we uh, had a lot of uh, very famous, very prominent uh, customers, but all of a sudden, we started to compete with every one of them. It's quite risky. We had a lot of arguments within the management, within the board, and among the investors, and I finally decided that's the way to go, because if we don't do that, a year from now, I don't see the company doubles in, in revenue, and I don't really see the future of this company. So we, we made that decision and, and moved on. Um, it, this decision is also hard to make because when you are a back-end technology provider, it's like selling a piece of commodity. You just need to be as good as everyone else on the market. When you, become, when you decide to become a front-end Uh, consumer-oriented service, you really need to be better than your competition. Not just a little bit better, but significantly better than your competition because you are a latecomer. There are already a number of Chinese search services on the market. And in order to stand out, you really need to come up with a a much better technology, much better product, and much better uh, user experiences. So that's the risk I took, but uh, I'm really glad I took that risk. Now, um, Baidu has become uh, one of the best known Chinese brands in the world because of that decision. The the third decision I made, uh, I actually also mentioned that, was uh, Project Blitzen. uh, Shortly after we uh, decided to become a consumer brand, I realized that our technology was not as good. So I, I went back to engineering and told them, okay guys, we need to work harder. And uh, I'm not longer a CEO, don't, don't consider me as CEO, consider me as your project manager. Uh, you guys are engineers, you are used to come to the, the office 10 a.m. in the morning. No, today, uh, starting from today, you need to come 9 a.m. in the morning and have a meeting with me. And I'm holding meetings twice a day with, with, with the engineers and uh, pushing them to, to to move faster and come out with better quality uh, search services. I did that for about 10 months of period, and that resulted in a better or the best Chinese search um, technology. So I think that's the three very critical decisions I made during the early days of Baidu.
1: Thank you, Robert. Uh, uh, in the... Uh, taking a look at time I'll just ask one more for the class and then we'll open it up uh, to the rest of the audience but what is it about Baidu and the Chinese search market that's allowed Baidu to become much more successful than Google and Yahoo in China specifically what is it that American companies back both then and now still don't understand about China that you think uh,
0: you do and, and they don't Ah. <laughs> uh, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about this question. Uh, there are very successful American companies in China, Intel, Cisco, uh, you know, Microsoft. They, they have been in China for a very long time. They figured out how to uh, do business in China and they have been quite successful. But internet companies are a little bit different. There are uh, three reasons for that. First is that um, During the the 90s, I think, the Chinese IT market was very, very small. Uh, Nobody paid attention to that. But uh, during the past decade, I think, with the internet uh, uh, coming uh, to China, that uh, uh, the the market gets larger and larger, the Chinese economy gets uh, larger and larger, the opportunity, uh, the, the potential for that market uh, has become very meaningful to a lot of people. <coughs> Therefore, uh, it's, it's a fast-growing market. It, it, it's growing very, very quickly, much faster than the world average. For example, when I returned to China, I remember we had less than 10 million internet users, and today we have more than 338 million internet users. Uh, so during the past 10 years, the market actually changed very quickly, very dramatically. American companies did not realize that in the early days. They thought, okay, the amount of online information grows about 50% per year. I'll grow my index by 50% per year. But in fact, if you pay attention to China, the amount of Chinese information online triples every year. And we triple our index every year. So that gives our users or the Chinese internet user's impression that if you cannot find anything on the other search engines, you may be able to find it on Baidu. If you cannot find it on Baidu, you cannot find it anywhere else. (laughs) Uh, So that's just one example of showing how quickly the the market is. If you are not close to that market, you will miss a lot of opportunities. The second reason is that uh, Although Baidu is perceived as a Chinese company like many other uh, NASDAQ listed folks, Sina, Sohu, NetEase, Shanda, but uh, they are almost 100% funded by US VCs, many of them uh, are Silicon Valley based. These people, this kind of money actually helped uh, a lot in the development of internet. Uh, market in China. And uh, as many of you know, Chinese people are very entrepreneurial. They really want to make a difference. They, they, they are hardworking. Once uh, they are married with, uh, with VC money, you know, it's very competitive. So the internet space in China has become very, very competitive. This is different from many other sectors. In the traditional sectors, you... Uh, American companies are basically competing with state-owned enterprises. They move very slowly. They they don't have the right incentive structure. But in Internet, it's very different. It's like everyone knows everyone, and uh, uh, they all have the right incentive structure to become successful. The third reason is that Internet companies, be it American or otherwise, are generally very young young companies usually do not plan very for the very long term. Sometimes they are not patient enough. They try, they lost a lot of money. A couple of years later, five years later, they said, okay, I give up. I have enough challenges in my domestic market. I don't want to deal with this uh, thing. So that, that happened to a number of internet com- American internet companies. Uh, I think that's the three uh, most uh, important reasons for... Uh, what happened in the internet space in China. Thank you,
1: Robin. Uh, For uh, those of you in the room, I could almost bet there's somebody here who else would like to ask Robin a question. Uh, And if you would, there are two microphones here. So why don't we form lines? Um, Just stand up. Why don't we start uh, right over here and then we'll ping back and forth. So uh, line up behind that mic and this mic. First, First come,
0: first serve. OK. Uh, Ready? Uh, Robin, uh, given the rate of Chinese enterprises investment in the US, does Baidu have any plan to expand in the US, such as a research center in the Silicon Valley, or even an M&A situation? All right. Sure. Uh, you know, we, uh, for the past uh, almost 10 years, we almost exclusively focused on Chinese search space. Uh, Only a couple of years ago, we decided to expand outside of China and launched a Japanese search service uh, in the early part of 2008. Uh, Our approach is to do uh, each market one by one and uh, uh, design product according to the specific needs of that market. Right now, we are not ready to get into the the U.S. uh, or English search market, but uh, we understand uh, uh, Silicon Valley is a center of innovation and we would be very open to, uh, to look at uh, the startup companies or new technologies. But I'm not a believer of uh, having a separate research team uh, at a remote location. I think the efficiency does not justify the cost. Thank you. Let's take this side and then
1: over to Robin, thanks. Beyond the engineering, and, and the products that you've described here. You've clearly uh, captured the imagination of, your, of the Chinese market. And I think part of that story, my understanding is part of that story is that you very aggressively marketed yourself. And, and interestingly, uh, a lot of that marketing has been Baidu versus some of these American companies. And it's very clever, it's very interesting. I'd like you to tell a little bit about how that strategy came about, and, yeah. and, and how that came together for you.
0: Yeah, you? okay. It's yet another misconception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the inter- uh, internet search space, you understand that traffic is gold. It's very, very expensive to, to acquire. Companies like Google, Microsoft, they spend lots and lots of money to buy traffic from partners from syndication partners and distribution partners. Therefore, it's no-brainer for them or for us to think about why don't we spend 100 million uh, to market us so that we can have more traffic. The correct answer is it doesn't work. No matter how much money you spend, you just cannot really economically, meaningfully to add traffic to, to your site. But uh, we are a consumer-oriented company, and we need to establish our brand, establish a a perception about our brand. In the early days, I was very afraid of associating Baidu with Chinese-made product, because in most people's mind, made in China means low quality, cheap in price. And I didn't want to be associated with that. But right before the company went public, we faced a difficult uh, question. How do we tell the American investors that Baidu does a better job? We, we, we thought and thought, then we came out with the idea, okay, it's easy to convince them Baidu understands Chinese better. So we, we designed the strategy and came up with a, a number of um, marketing initiatives to tell the investors and maybe the general public Baidu has a better understanding of the Chinese language and Chinese culture. That's why we are doing a better job. So it's, it's mostly for the IPO. It's not really designed to increase the traffic of Baidu. Thank you. Over there. Hi,
1: uh, my name is Stanley, and I'm... Uh, uh, graduate business school student and uh, uh, I know Baidu started as a startup in China about ten years ago and to my very limited knowledge I know it's really hard to attract top talent from top universities uh, as a startup uh, when competing with international companies like IBM or things like that. How were, how was Baidu able to attract top talent and has the situation in China changed today? Like, will the top uh, student from top university willing to join startup or not?
0: Well, time has really changed. Today, I think companies like Baidu really are capable of offering competitive uh, compensation packages to to top talents. Uh, You know, search is very, uh, very hot area. Lots of people want to get into this area. And I think, no matter how much money you spend on talent, it's, uh, it's well worth it. If you can increase your traffic share by 1%, that's a lot of money, uh, almost uh, for a, a very long time, for forever. So we are very willing to offer a very competitive package, and we are really uh, targeting the, the top 5% students in the top 10 schools in China, and uh, talents around the world.
1: <laughs> hi hi Robin. <laughs> so um, given that obviously the American market and the Chinese market are very different, what do you think's one kind of key point or advice that a Chinese company like yourself could give to an American you know, rising company, or you know, and vice versa, I guess? What could an American company give an advice to China
0: that you know, they wouldn't be able to take from their experiences in their own market? Mm-hmm. I think my, my advice to the American companies is that you really need to be there. You, you really need to have a presence first in order to understand what's going on there. I hear this a lot. Many of the, the, uh, the uh, Chinese heads of multinational companies, their main job is to communicate with the headquarters: what happened, uh, what, what should we do about this market. Uh, there are lots of differences, as you mentioned, so you really need to let the headquarters understand what's going on there. I think that would be my advice to, to American companies with an interest in going to China or are already in China. For American companies, I think uh, it, it's about innovation. It's about uh, you know systematic approach of doing business. These kind of things uh, Chinese need to learn. All right.
1: Hello. Uh, my name is Rebecca, and I'm a first-year applied physics master student.
0: And being originally from China, I have a some questions about China I would like to ask you. So, um, as we may know, uh, China has different policies on many things, especially the internet. So I wonder how does those policies
1: uh, help or to, like, have a hindrance on your companies? And
0: how would you suggest other companies to overcome them? You know, uh, internet is new. It, it's not only new to China, it's also new to the world. Uh, So every day, you would encounter new problems, and uh, uh, the the legal system really lags. In a lot of cases, something happened, and there's no law governing uh, the the behavior of of, of those new things. Uh, Being in the Internet long enough, I've seen many examples like that, but uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm not really afraid of anything new, anything that's changing, anything uncertain. We, We are just used to that. So anything happens, we are just to try to figure out what happened and figure out a, a solution to that. In this sense, I think China is not different from many other markets. You just need to be close to that market. You need to understand the, the market environment. You need to understand the regulatory environment. You need to keep a good dialogue, good communication with your users, with your customers, with the government officials, with all the stakeholders. Thank you.
1: My question is, I think the million dollar question here is how to foster, how to build a Silicon Valley outside the United States, in China, and how to foster an entrepreneurial culture in China. I think, as you said, Chinese people are all very entrepreneurial, but how do we uh, have a more systematic way, education system built to encourage this culture? So, what has Baidu done to foster this culture?
0: It's not a million-dollar question. (laughs) It's a trillion-dollar question. (laughs) I think many of the Chinese are very eager to find out what it takes to form a Silicon Valley in China, especially for the government officials. During the past 30 years, China maintained a very high growth rate in terms of GDP. It has become a very large economy uh, in the world. But the problem is that they uh, primarily relied on cheap labor, cheap product, manufacturing to, to get here. I think a lot of people, especially the Chinese leaders, the decision makers, realized that that's not gonna last very long. We need to innovate. We, we need to have more value-added things uh, in, in the, the Chinese economy or in the GDP composition. That's why many of them... Uh, Thinking really very hard of how to uh, foster entrepreneurship, how to uh, encourage innovation, and if you talk to any of the government local government officials in Beijing Shanghai, Shenzhen, they are all very eager to foster entrepreneurship to uh, to open up those uh, experimental zones so that uh, you can get cheap rent or free rent. And, uh, or even government uh, startup funding so that uh, entrepreneurs can uh, start to realize those dreams. But it's it's not an easy task. Silicon Valley is very unique. I don't know um, what it takes to replicate that in China, but I certainly hope uh, one day there will be uh, a place in China that looks like Silicon Valley, given that we have, uh, you know, The largest internet population. uh, It's likely that we will be able to encounter new problems before American people encounter. Therefore, uh, we have the chance to innovate and to solve those problems. So, I I think there are hopes for that.
1: Robin, thank you so much. Thank you.